Nation. What is going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Getting ready for the 2022 season. How are you? How are you out there? How was your offseason? That's what I want to know. Are you ready for some football? Are you ready for some Buffaloes football? Because honestly, you ask people around town, you don't know what answer you're going to get. But we'll see. I'm Tyler Walgie. He's Jared All. Jared, how are you? I'm great. You know, it's weird, Tyler. You and I spend so much time in this studio. We we both are a part of other podcasts for the Woos Media production team. Uh, it just hits different. It hits different being in here for Buff well, Station. I mean, look, as Jared said, uh, myself, Jared, we're on the show every week. Ryan, our producer, is uh, out today getting his preseason work in. He'll be back for the regular season. Don't worry about that. But, uh, well, we hope so. I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll be our sixth man. Maybe he'll be sideline reporter. We don't know what's going on this year. But either way, it's uh, it's going to be a fun season. But the buffs, a lot of question marks. So what we're going to do today is go over uh, what, what our expectations are, offense, defense, just kind of go over the offseason, the Pac-12 news. There's so many things to catch up on. But uh, as Jared mentioned, this is a Woos Media podcast. Check out all the other Woos Media podcasts. Just wherever you're listening to this, go to the search bar, type in W-O-O-Z-E Media. Plenty to offer there in terms of sports and college football podcasts. Uh, check out College Football Tailgate. Good show. I'm actually a co-host on that as well, and that's a good uh, overall you know, nationwide college football show. But we're CU fans. We have been our whole life. That's what Woos Media brought us on for, so that's what we're here to talk about. And this season, there's so many question marks with CU. Now, look, question marks in terms of what we can expect from, from the product on the field, what the outcome is going to be, what's going on behind the scenes in the athletic department. Uh, right now, there's question marks in the Pac-12. I mean, is the Pac-12 going to exist? In, in one, two, three years. So why don't we start there? The offseason news, things are shaking up. USC, UCLA leaving the conference. Now, I'll tell you this. I didn't love when Lincoln Riley went to LA. I didn't love when Lincoln Riley became a Trojan because my first thought is, oh, great, here we go. We loved Clay Helton there, didn't we? <laughs> exactly. We loved Clay being there. It's, exactly. It's, that's how it goes. When you don't like a coach... It's like, okay, we don't want to keep them there as long as we can, right? When, when they're going to be elite, you know, it's a bad thing when they come in. So Lincoln goes to USC. It's like, yeah, here we go. And, and Brings half of his Oklahoma roster with him. But then they leave the conference. And that's what kind of drove it in. That's not a good thing for CU because that's not a good thing for their conference. Now, if the Buffs jump ship, go to the Big 12, uh, another conference, that could be an option. If the Pac-12... And with uh, their commissioner, you know how to pronounce his name, Greg. Uh, I'm going to call him K. Let's call yeah, him Greg K. Yeah. Mr. K. I don't do well with names. You're the <laughs> hockey guy. I would expect yeah, right? you to know this, Tyler. Come on. I don't know if he has what it takes to save the conference. He's been talking a big game this offseason. You know, well, like, there's a lot of posturing going on from not only CU, yeah. but other Pac-12 We don't know coaches. what teams we're going to poach from the Big Ten. He's, he literally said that during a media day. Yeah. But um, I think from the fans, and I'm not going to speak for all you listeners out there, but I think from the fans' perspective, this was the first time it really hit that that maybe CU leaving the Big 12 was never a great thing. And I know there was money involved, there was TV deals, things outside of football factored into that. It was, and, and it was mostly money. I can't say that that's been a bad move. I don't know how the finances look for CU. I can't say it's been a bad move. But from the fans' perspective, I think that 
that CU as a football program has lacked in the Pac-12 what they always had in the Big 12, which was rivalries, which was relevance within the conference. And unfortunately for CU, this time spent in the well, Pac-12 okay. hasn't okay, quite so, been what you hoped. So I think that that's for a couple of reasons. The recruiting trailed off because when you're not competing with Oklahoma, Texas all the time, it's tough to permeate those states, right? And, and California is one thing, but Colorado's always gotten players from California. So that didn't really change much. Going to the Pac-12 really cut off the recruiting. Also, I think the coach hiring has been abysmal. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of, of McIntyre, but he's given us the most success since Barnett, for sure. And so it's been a series of errors. And that's why I really wonder you know, if, if the future of college football is going in the right direction. And I actually think that we shouldn't worry, unless CU gets left out. That's the one worry That's here. the big concern it, it is dropped to the group of five. CU is at a low point at a very bad time. But things are changing quickly. And here's why I think it's a good thing for CU, Jared. For years, okay, the the athletic department has showed us fans, hardcore fans, they don't really care enough to compete. There's things they can do. They've got great facilities, but when it comes to paying coaches, like like the other things that really get out there in the news that are obvious to us, they don't do. And it's been very apparent for years they're not willing to do what it takes to compete with the other schools in the Pac-12, which isn't saying much at all. Okay, so I think what the good positive news is here is... This next chapter of college football is going to be about money, boosters, can you pay people to come, and now that it's out of the hands of the ADs and it's now in the hands of the boosters, who knows? Maybe that's a good thing for CU. At least at least it's going to be something different because what they're doing so far hasn't worked and not a lot of fans are happy, right? I wonder what the listenership and reaction is going to be like for this podcast alone. Are people going to want to listen? Is it going to be a negative reaction? What's, what's the feeling like right now? Because me... And I know I'm kind of, this is going on about the actual team. We'll talk about it in a second. I do have a little bit of optimism because I kind of do every season, not because we have a podcast, not just because I'm a CU fan. It's just, I feel like there's things to look at that we can be excited for as CU fans that we'll get to. But in general, things are not good. Fans are not happy. And I think a move in terms of a shift in college football is a good thing. So uh, do, you, do you think CU is going to move? Uh, yeah, what do you have to say about that? I, I would just want to add to that that as far as CU being in the in crowd when it comes to the Power Five and whatever is next, I think you and I both agree big changes are coming in college football. I don't think any of us know what that is going to be, but five years from now, the landscape will not look like it looks today. That's, a, that's something I am pretty confident in saying. Here are two other factors for CU that makes them very desirable to be kept in the in crowd. The academics. Crowd. I like how you keep saying that. Academics. They are a top-tier mm. academic school for a lot of programs. You look at the Big Ten. That's that's you, a conference that's, that absolutely you, values academics. Deal. I do okay. because then you are a prestigious university. You are not some podunk little school. You're not CSU. Okay, well. you are a big time university where people go to get an education. Look across the Big Ten in all their schools. That is prevalent in almost every school there except for Nebraska. Pretty yeah, much every school snooty, in the snooty. Big Ten is very prestigious. That's a big deal. Also, Boulder, 
one of the best towns you could ever be in. The, the, the university itself, the campus, the facilities, they're good. I think that helps CU as far as when they're looking at realigning, whatever's so, going to so happen So academics, what, what besides academics? Like the cross-country team, the soccer uh, team? The rest of their sports teams, honestly, are, are very good right now. I think all of that adds up to about maybe 20%, and then and football is 80%. Yeah. You know? So that's why these next couple of years are going to be big. Now, let's get back to what we started this with, money, right? Why they left the Big 12 was for that Pac-12 paycheck. I think that that was sort of a leap for quick money. This is a leap for big long-term money. I mean, they're paying like... 80 to 100 million per year from the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I don't know the details on that deal, but it's it, record breaking. It, I think it's Fox and ES, was it Fox ESPN? ESPN CBS was a part of no, that. No, 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 just no? Fox ESPN. Okay. Um, actually, I need to I need to double check. Maybe we can, maybe we can get the details on that. But either because I don't want to give because the whole thing is the new music. Didn't you see? Oh, that's for the the Big Ten. They're they're doing like the whole new music thing. And it's uh, of course yeah, they are. Yeah, of course it, it, they are. no, and that's what people are freaking out about on Instagram. Is like different music for the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, so I got Fox, FS1, CBS, NBC, and okay. Big Ten Network. Yeah, it's a huge deal, huge deal. But anyway, that's per the Athletic. That that that's what's driving all this is the TV money, right? And that's what's dictating a lot of the movement in in the sport right now. So whether CU goes to the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten stays in the Pac-12, and hopefully the Pac-12 stays relevant. You know, you just want CU just to stay. Just don't go to the, the Mountain West. No, I've seen too, it, many, too many fans out there saying, well, CU should just go to the Mountain West. They could be more competitive. It, you don't it, want that. And that's why this year and next year is so important. It's because w- when they do start relegating and putting teams back there, CU may end up in the Mountain West. Well, and just look at these small conference teams, these these non-Power 5 conference teams. You can go undefeated and you don't even get a chance. But you don't want to be in that. We'll, we'll save this for a different show, but I think as the sport changes, the la- the fundamentals will change too so there will be like a top 60 like an nfc afc with 30 in each and then there will be a second division so they'll have their chances if it I changes like, i but, like the way you're thinking yeah but that's for a different show let's get to the buffs and what we think of them this season uh before we do though jared we hadn't we didn't have many opportunities last year to play the fight song and let's get pumped up it's going to be a hopefully it's going to be a big year we'll talk expectations we'll talk everything we think coming up here but let's just get excited real quick If that doesn't get you ready every to talk time. a little Buffs football, then let's do it. The only thing that gets me more excited is watching Ralphie run out. Man. That's <laughs> it. Th- those two things, you ever having a down day, that's all you need And right Ralphie's there. ready this year. Lil Ralphie's ready I'm to run, I'm excited to see Lil Ralphie. Know, She's going to be bigger this year, man. Uh, all right, so let's start off, obviously, where everyone starts off the preseason previews, quarterback position. It's what we always look at. Uh, actually, should we throw, should we uh, call the audible and just go coach, or should we save coach for the end? What should we do with Darrell? What do we do with Darrell here, huh? When do we put Darrell on the? On the I hot don't think seat? I'm ready for Darrell yet. Uh, I, I think I we'll need to still it. stew over that one for a minute. We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. Hey, I, I, I'm. Well, we'll we'll save it for Darrell. No, go, go, go. I was gonna say I'm not as mad as I. <laughs> That was last okay, year. Okay, so you and I are feeling in a little bit of a different stance because we are. I've, I, I've eased I, up. Man, the off seasons let me cool down. Uh, I just I I feel like uh, I I've heard a lot of 
posturing, a lot of coach speak, and a lot of like, what are you doing and where are we going? I have not heard much of that no. from what I've heard I've, from I've Carl softened Durrell. my edges, but we'll save Darrell for a sec. Let's start quarterback. Uh, this was obviously the weak point of the entire team last year. This was one of the weak points in college football last year. If you look at the total team offense, Colorado ended up second to last in yards per game behind the New Mexico Lobos. That's never a stat you want to have in, in college football. So 257 total, total Ooh, yards per game. Uh, second last in the entire nation. Good for, what is that, 130th, 131st, something like that, 129th. Either way, it was because of the quarterback positioning because Brendan Lewis looked extraordinarily uncomfortable. And things didn't seem to get better. See, when you have a new quarterback there, I think a slow start. It's not only forgivable, it's almost expected. It's okay. New atmosphere, new environment. Especially a guy that, I mean, I, I think technically was a freshman last year. We obviously had the COVID year. I, I don't know what we're calling any of these guys anymore. I, I'm a little bit lost. But his first right. field experience, basically, ever in college football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a brand new environment, brand new atmosphere. What we should have expected was progression throughout the season. Okay, now some people are going to br- blame Shiverini. Some people are going to... I'm going to right now. I do think Brendan Lewis was a big issue, but what I saw from this coaching staff, from this play calling, was a lack of progression and adjustment throughout the year. I mean, I agree that, that is Darren Shiverini could have done more to put him in a position, but at some point last season, that became a scapegoat for me. It was a red herring for what was really going on, which was Brendan Lewis being inept on the field. And again... It's one thing to look bad. It's, it's another thing to look as bad the last game, in my opinion, as you did the first game. Did he maybe improve a teeny bit here or there? Possibly. But Brendan Lewis, I think he... Uh, I sold my stock last year, okay? I, I don't want to come in with a negative swing here, but uh, I sold my stock on Brendan Lewis last year, and I'm not buying it again. I think JT Shrout is not only a better quarterback... Uh, I think he's about, according to some of the smartest people out there who, who evaluate uh, what they're worth in, like in the sports betting market and against the spread, JT Shroud is roughly a t- about a touchdown better than Brennan Lewis. That is a huge upgrade. I think it's no question whatsoever this year you go with JT. Now, the only reason I bring this up is I don't want to rag on Brendan. I don't want to start like this, but I'm hearing a lot of different places and a lot of different outlets say split time. They have no idea what's going on yet. Jared, do you think that's a, a, a smoke screen? No, I can tell you exactly what that is. JT Shrout is exactly one year removed from an ACL injury. He has yet to play in a real game with real live action to prove to these coaches that he is ready to play. I think this is posturing. I think they're preparing for him to potentially not be physically ready to play, and you don't want to ruin the confidence he, of a Brendan Lewis. Isn't he full participant? He in is. Practice? He is, but he's not been in a live real game. I hate to say it, Tyler, but I think you can anticipate at least week one uh-huh. split reps. No. <laughs> and honestly, Tyler, uh, I think that's the right move for no, this team right now. No, you know, you know I'm not a believer in that normally. I think that's the right move for this team right now. I, because you, if you put all your eggs in the JT Shrout basket right now, then he shows up week one and doesn't look ready mentally and physically coming off of that knee injury last year. 
Now you turn Jared, back I to the guy you just yes. benched? I don't think that matters at all. You no, it does because no, no, no. Brendan Lewis's it's confidence different. It's different. It will all, absolutely okay. be shattered. I've got two things to say. Brendan Lewis's confidence doesn't mean a damn thing to it me. It does if you need he him was to be a starter. He was confident last year, and look what he did. And, so and I don't imagine care. what he'd look like without confidence. I don't care whether we get a confident Brendan Lewis or not. I'm not in, okay? So you put JT in no matter what. But second of all, it doesn't matter whether you want to... And if, if health's an issue, that's a totally different story. This is assuming JT is 100%. And this 100%. is, by the way, pure speculation, guys. Everyone listening out there, there's no indication that he's not ready to go. But I read into it that you're not naming him your starter because you want to be sure before you do. I think the only reason not to name a starter is to... to uh uh, mess with the other team to affect their game plan. Sure. To, to, to Two play, different styles of quarterback. To, to play coy. Like, it should be no question here. This is such an, uh, to me, this is such an obvious move that to go dual quarterback, again, unless, if, assuming JT is 100%, it would be silly not to play him. L- like I mentioned, the, the, the uh, confidence of Brennan Lewis, you're not going to shatter it because it's a different situation. Okay. I don't. Well, first of all, like I said, I don't think his confidence matters that much, whether he's pumped up or not. I don't think it matters that much. But last year, JT got hurt, ACL injury before the season even started. So Brennan was just named the starter because they didn't have anybody no, no, else. No, no. But when when they named him the starter, they said, "Well, he had the edge anyways." Of right? course, they but, said but that. But this this is when I look at what we saw from Brendan Lewis last year. That screams a quarterback that lacked confidence. So you know this is a guy you're questioning whether he has the confidence already. If you say somebody else Look, is the clear-cut starter, Jared, if he's that fragile, put Drew Carter back up. Like if he's that, I if he's that unfortunately, soft, Tyler, this is the is era soft. that we live in. Soft. This is where we're at Jared, with no. college I don't athletes buy, look, this year. I don't buy any of this, and I think that you're being way too easy on on the on no, I, what I, you expect. I, I think this year. the right move is because you don't know. Obviously, you don't know. It, to me, you would have named the starter if you know. So you don't know where these quarterbacks are. If if JT Stroud's gonna be ready to go 100 percent week okay. one, if you get through week one, you give him some limited reps. Everything looks good. You go okay. forward with him moving forward. I'm okay. I understand. With okay. starting with the split. Reps. I understand where you're at. The audience gets where you're at. You're okay with the split reps, and the audience gets where I'm at. I'm totally against it. If Brendan Lewis gets one snap, I'm going to be uh, – I, I, I think that's going to be an extraordinarily negative thing. So that's my opinion on it. I want to see JT out there. I think this is going to be a much better team. I think with Brendan Lewis out there uh, at his best, Colorado is the worst team in the Pac-12. I think with JT out there at his best, Colorado can be – uh, maybe the uh, fourth or fifth best team in the Pac-12. Do you That's think there's what I think any in overconfidence in those of us? Because I'm there with you with JT Stroud. None of us have ever seen him play a down. It doesn't matter as long as he's an average quarterback. Brendan Lewis was statistically one of the worst quarterbacks in the last decade in college football. It doesn't matter whether you look at Pro Football Focus, Football Outsiders, or ESPN, just raw stats. He was horrendous. Look, <laughs> We're fans here, right? But I think that part of why the show's grown so much, and honestly, this has been one of the fastest growing shows for Woo's Media. We went from, we had a couple hundred listeners for the first few years, and went to like 4,000 last year per show. This is blown up in the, in the Colorado area, and I think part of the reason is 
we're not overly trying, you know, be hot take or anything like that. We love the buffs. We bleed black and gold, but we're not going to just like have our pom-poms on and just be, oh, well, rah, rah. Like we're not the team It hasn't moms. looked good the last couple of years. It hasn't. Yeah, you have so to be honest with we, that. we try and be honest on this show. So I, again, it's first show of the season. I'm coming out a little hot here, but but that's what this I- This is uh, a lot of built-up energy, <laughs> isn't it, buddy? It's, it's, it's a couple months but, worth. But and, tell me, you know, again, I, I'm there with you when it comes to JT Stroud. I, I, I think By the way, it, we got Owen McCown on the roster too. We got a red shirt, but we got Owen McCown on the roster hey, too. Hey, and he's so. a lefty too, like like your boy here, okay? Uh, but but when I think of of an offensive quarter, coordinator, a play caller, calling plays for Brendan Lewis, you're calling tentatively. You're a little bit afraid of what you can put on his plate. Whereas a guy like JT Stroud who really, I mean, he, he comes from Tennessee, comes from the SEC, that sort of, y- you have to have that, confidence about you that almost arrogance level where as a play caller that's what i want i want that quarterback that believes he can make every throw and do everything where i don't have to limit my offense based on who's behind center and i Uh, believe jt shrout can bring you that yeah i'm jt or bust and uh, if he's not in i want to see drew carter okay uh (laughs) drew carter didn't look very good last year Uh, can we turn the can we turn the page anything else to add for quarterbacks here please no all right, let's get to the running backs. Uh, Fontenot looks to be the starter this year, will be the starter to get the majority line share of the workload, at least seemingly, based on uh, what we've seen in preseason, the snaps, and, and just experience. Of course, we lose Jared Broussard. He goes to Michigan State. He's playing with Mel again. So that's kind of frustrating to see. But uh, backfield, I don't think it's going to be necessarily too much of a negative. Obviously, uh, you know, they, they drop off a little bit, but they get back their number one, number three wide receivers, RJ Sneed, they add. So uh, I think that's going to help the running backs get, catch the ball on the outside, right? Right. When the receivers are able to step up, which JT is going to help that too, I think uh, the, the, the running backs are going to be able to catch a lot of the backfield. So you're going to see Fontenot's uh, uh, numbers improve. Uh, Deion Smith, he's going to be able to catch it. Jail Stacks, I don't know how his hands are, but as long as these guys are rotating. He's versatile. In, he's a versatile guy. He can play you at fullback. You can put him in some different situations. That's that's where I think that these running backs can really strike. Now, look, obviously Fontenot's going to be great between the tackles, great in the red zone, as we've seen. But I think as long as they can get involved in the passing game this year, and we'll talk about the receivers in a second. I mentioned them a little bit there. They're going to help open things up on the outside. I'm excited to see what these running backs have to offer, and I'm 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 stoked for Fontenot this year. He's going to I be- actually look at outside looking in. I think a lot of people the perception of this running back room is, oh, you lost Jarek Broussard. You're taking a huge step back. I don't no think that's going to be the case. Yeah. No way. I think Alex Fontenot is every bit as good as Jarek Broussard. I think we saw from Jarek Broussard last year that 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 2019 campaign or 2020. I don't even know what year it is anymore. <laughs> what was it? 2020. Two years ago, that campaign where Jarek Broussard was uh, among the top players in the country at the running back position might have been a little bit of a fluke. Last year, we didn't quite see the same from Jarek Broussard. I think Alex Fontenot is a versatile guy. He's a good pass catcher. Yeah. He can do everything. I actually look at the running back position as the strength of this offense. I really do. There's been guys on this depth chart. Deion Smith, you mentioned, is a guy that have been itching for that opportunity to get the ball, and they've just been buried on the depth chart. So while, yes, you lost a guy like Jarek Broussard, another guy, Ashad Clayton, who was one of the big recruits a couple of years ago, ends up going to Tulane, going back home. I think you have the depth there still. You have the versatility there. This is what this offense should be leading on, is now, this running game. I agree. And, I mean, you mentioned Deion Smith a little buried. He still had 53 carries last year. Uh, just over three and a half for carries. So we were definitely getting some experience back. And Fontenot, I want to say he was, I, I've got their stats right here. He was up there in catches too. Yeah, he had 13 catches. 
leading receiver. Oh god, bad receiver sets. Leading receiver at twenty five. We'll get to them in a second. But what? I know, I know. But for those for those depleted stats, I feel like uh, we're playing the NCAA video game and we're running a triple off an option uh, or right? it's, it's our first time <laughs> 25 receptions for their top receiver that's that's are you excited good. for that video game are you gonna get it i am, you, very, you know, you I have am to... still currently playing ncaa 2013 that's how excited i am so you still have the xbox still uh, have 360. the xbox 360 so you're gonna have to get the new one yeah if you want to play the new and i don't have it yet it's i don't have the, the new system it's gonna be an investment yeah. but it's gonna be worth it because it's gonna be Great. Yeah, I can't wait either. But uh, so Fontenot, I think he's going to have a big year. Obviously, like you said, they're going to lean on him. But it does matter if we see, you know, what we see at quarterback is going to dictate what we see at running back. This is all sort of a domino effect, right? So if we get what I really want and we get JT, it's probably going to be a little bit more, a little bit more of a pro style, you know, which, still some which, shotgun which looks, things like that. The, the new coordinator for the buffs coming from Minnesota. Right, exactly. That, that, that's what they they really have done over, for a long over time. The it's, yeah, that's yeah, what they that's ran for a while. Mike Stanford is the, the, the new coordinator coming in, coming over from Minnesota. They've been a pro style offense. Running back in the NFL right now from from Minnesota. So no, no, that, totally. So, but but these running backs, we, we can look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of production, as I said. Fontenot, right now slated behind him, uh, Deion Smith and Jail Stacks, and then uh, Victor Venn, uh, double V. You know, like, uh, kind of reminds me of Zorro, Ooh, just like on the that. field. I don't know. No Z in the name, but I think that's my nickname for him. All right, uh, anything to add for the... Uh, running backs before we uh, move on to the receivers? No, I, I think we're ready to move on. Starting receivers on the depth chart provided to us by Phil Steele. We got RJ Snead. And by the way, this is coming from Phil Steele because cbuffs.com still won't release the damn depth chart. They're trying to play coy a little bit with well, us here. Jared, I think everyone's trying to play coy. That's that's what I'm saying with the whole quarterback thing. I think you be coy as long as you can. TCU, and we'll talk about the schedule here in a moment, TCU is going to be a tough week one opponent. So you want to... Yeah. And that's not to take edge. away from Phil Steele. If you if you there's anyone you're looking to read, Phil Steele has been well known for years. He's the best. One of the best the around best, the country. Jerry, the best. Check him out. Okay. Uh RJ Sneed, transfer from Baylor. Should be the feature receiver this year, right? I mean, he was huge last year at Baylor. I, I'm pretty sure he was guaranteed, you know, whether it was Shiverini, whoever talked to him before he got over here last year, you know, like he's going to be the guy. So you lost some production last year. This is what we need. Uh, Rice is now playing at USC, you know, so had to replace him. Great replacement here. I'm excited to see RJ Sneed. Keep your eye out for uh, number two. Uh, Daniel Arias, we saw him last year. He can produce. Chase Penry, same thing. Montana. That's the guy I'm missing on boy. the starting lineup. To yeah. me, Montana Lamonius Craig is the guy to watch out for. He sort of came on in a limited role last year, had a couple of touchdowns. He watched for him to break out. I went to the spring game or one of the spring games, and he was absolutely the best wide receiver on the field. Yeah, that's one thing. You mentioned the running backs, and I think you're right. CU does have to rely on them to get on the outside, spread the field, you know, Keith or down situations. Maybe you want to run the football a little bit more, but. I, again, this is where my optimism comes from. You look at these receivers, the, these running backs, it's like, as long as they've got a quarterback in there, Colorado's going to move the football. Jared, this is what I'm telling you. There's There are reasons to be excited. Now, tough schedule, but there's a lot of reasons uh, from CU's point of view that it's not going to be like last year. Look, Maybe a couple years ago when Colorado went to the Alamo Bowl, you know, did they have a couple close wins? They overachieve a little bit that year? Maybe. Okay. Last year, did we have a couple close losses? Maybe underachieve a little bit? Maybe. Okay. These things even out. I think anyone expecting what they saw last year as a repeat 
we're not going to have the the second to worst offense again in college football. So I think these receivers, there's a lot to be excited about. You're right, Montana looked great, but he's he's not even listed as a starter right now. According and to on name alone, he needs to be in your starting lineup. Well, and but, I mean, but on, let's, that's got to be read on. out but every let, week. But let's also hold on with this. For everyone out there, starting lineups in football are kind of ridiculous. It's not like the NBA or basketball where you put a starting five out there. If Colorado's first play requires two outside receivers and then uh, two inside receivers, they're running a four wide, you know, whatever, then suddenly those are the starters of the game. So start, that's irrelevant. You know, this is sort of just a way of looking at what the skeleton of the team looks like, who, who, who's projecting right now, who, who the who's who, where's where. But Montana is right there. He's going to be involved a lot. And I think we may see him get an equal amount of snaps as is, is Penry or, or and, and Chase Penry is the other guy I want to kind of highlight out of that starting roster is a guy that is not a name that many people recognize or know. He's just a sophomore now coming in this year. But he's a guy that is just – he. you know, he reminds me of Jay McIntyre, who was there a few years ago, obviously with his coach, uh, his dad, Mike McIntyre when he was the coach, but just solid, reliable playmaker. I think is a guy that is a third down threat, somebody that you look for to make that big catch, man. All right, who do we leave out here? Uh, let's check this out. Montana. A lot of best name in college football, too, by the way. Jalen Jackson. Mon- no, no, no. Montana guy. Limonius oh, Craig. Of course. You got to let course. me say the best name once I pre- once I say it's the best name. Uh, you said Jalen Jackson. Jalen Jackson. He's a guy that I think will factor into yeah. the slot Speedy, a lot. Speedy, dude. Speedy yeah. Gonzalez. I love Jalen. Uh, Similar to the role that we saw uh, Dimitri Stanley in the last couple of years, I think is where you'll see Jalen Jackson. You got Ty Robinson here. Don't know too much. Uh, Let's see, Ty Robinson, six catches last year, so still got involved a little bit. And that's what I kind of like is the camaraderie. These guys know each other. Chase, um, Chase Sewell, Sowell, I don't know how you pronounce it, but he is very active on social media. I get a ton of posts from him on Twitter. So, <laughs> Is that a good thing? Uh, maybe, We're both too old for maybe, that. Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. Our opinions don't count for social media. We're both. It took uh, me a minute to realize who he was. I'm like, oh, that's a buff right there. That's a, <laughs> that's a buff. That's why I'm getting all those tweets. All right. Uh Offensive line. Well, anything to add their receivers? You're, uh, you're not going to skip right over the tight ends, right? Oh, God. What am I doing? Because that, to me, is the deepest position. They have, they're like 12 deep at tight end. I fully expect to see CU really implement the tight ends in different ways. Yep. They have a lot of different guys at tight end. The recruiting has been off the charts lately. Off to Austin Smith, uh, local product, Eric Olson, uh, Caleb Foria, of course. But uh, Brady Russell, right? We, we've talked about him yep. for years now. It seems like he's entering his eighth year with the Buffs. It might actually be his eighth <laughs> year. I'm not sure. That's going to be... I think he might be as old as you and I are, Tyler. Didn't he get hurt uh, last season? Yeah, he's had some, some medical issues was a little it, bit. Was it the, uh, see, I, was it the I first game last year? It may not have been the first game, but it was early. It was, it was before conference play. I know that. he's He missed pretty much the whole season yeah, last I, year. I know Minnesota relied on their tight ends. He's going to be a big part of this offense. And, you know, staying healthy, obviously, is big for any football team, any season. But, you know, I don't want to downgrade the, 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 look, the CU has a lot of depth. And I think there's a lot of people who can fill in. But Brady Russell's just different. He's got that special sauce, that special he spice. He is going to be your guy. That, that is definitely going to be your number one go-to guy. But uh, uh, one of the things, if you've been paying attention to what C has been doing with their offense, again, obviously implementing a new offense with, with new coordinator Mike Sanford coming in, more pro-style, typically leads to more tight end play. They were showing a lot of two tight end looks. That's something they have shown a lot through the offseason when you have depth there. I love Plus, that. you lost a lot of wide receivers. We just talked about the guys they have, but you lost Dimitri Stanley. You lost Brendan Rice. Guys that were key contributors last year 
So turn to where you have the depth at tight end. I think you can expect to see a lot of two tight end looks. Maybe guys as tight ends flexed out as wide receivers because they have the athleticism to do that. I look forward to seeing some of these young guys really break out this year. Yeah, and it's tough to project, you know. Uh, Aside from the small amount of football we've seen at the spring game, uh, we don't really know what to expect. This is a new offense, new look. And so, you know, Jared and I and and, and Ryan will will have a lot more to say and a lot more, you know, of an opinion about what to expect this season after we see the first game. We don't want to go into yards, touchdown projections like that because that's just kind of guessing. That's not doing anyone any favors at this point because it's total hypothetical. We don't know what we're going to see on the field right now. So however they decide to use their tight ends, they're going to be deep. I think that we've got a lot of blo- a lot of blockers here, a lot of guys who can get dirty and a lot of pass catchers. So the versatility is there. I'm excited about it. Jared, as you mentioned, you combine that with these receivers. You see what I'm saying? Have you started to warm up a little bit? When Jared got here this today is for the podcast, this is what I when needed. Jared got here for the podcast, he's like, I don't know how excited I'm going to be. It's been tough to get really, really up for CU football, but I can see it. I can see it in your eyes over there. It's, it's growing. It's growing. Just minute by a minute. Bit. That's all I need is some Tyler Wallace in my life. All right. Offensive line. Uh, you ready for the O-line? Because I think things are actually going to be uh, improved here. So uh, it's going to be, look, 2021 was disappointing. And the thing is, they actually had a couple guys back, but... You look at the returning starters this year, the experience. I don't like that they lost, um, oh God, uh, uh, Chance Lytle to Duke. Did you see how he's like all over the news doing his like yes. opera singing? Which was beautiful. Fantastic. But, it, but it's sort of, you know what? That kind of gave me a weird, and look, I may be totally off with this, but that gave me a weird impression. So what we've seen lately with the program, okay, a little, little left turn here, but quickly. One thing I've seen lately with the program is a lot of people transferring out. See, you had one of the most transfers out. Uh, there was that coach who came in, right? Was it a D-line coach or the ex yes, coach? Yes, And he came in here for a couple of weeks, and he left the program, and Carl Durrell's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He left because he said he wanted to be with his family. And yeah, personal reasons. Yeah, personal reasons. And then that coach came out. He's like, no, that's not at all why I left. <laughs> I didn't like what was going on in the program, and I wanted a new opportunity. And so things haven't looked good inside the program with, with, with what's been going on. And the, the fact that Chance Lytle transferred out and made like national news within a week of being out of CU. Now, granted, weird. not for his football play. No, no, it was for his opera singing. But my point is, is it a little looser there? Can they be themselves Having more? Fun. Does I'd- Darrell have more of this strict NFL buttoned-up corporate person? Because that's what you heard Jerry Broussard. So when Broussard left, he's like, I don't like this atmosphere anymore. Things are too NFL around here. And so you wonder. You know, again, I'm not in the locker room, but that's been out there. And... I don't know if it's a coincidence that we didn't see Lytle having fun at, and, and that's not true. If you follow CU on their social media, he was always the guy at like the the, the trips, you know, when they would do their team off season trips, and they they went like whitewater rafting last year, had a bunch of fun videos and pictures. Lytle was always the, the guy in the middle. He's taking his shower with his long hair in the walk. So so he had the personality that he displayed, but you know, I, that was my thought at least. I, I don't want to put anything out there, but my personal thought was. Why didn't we see that at C? Why didn't we see that looseness at CU? Does that speak to the culture? And it could just be another building block as to what it's like uh, with Carl Durrell. But overall, Jared, I think it's positive. No offense, Key at center, which I love how if you take away the key at the end of his name, it's just no offense, right? Which is necessary in 2022. Uh, right guard, Casey Roddick. Left guard, Tommy Brown. Uh, right tackle, Frank Phillip. And left tackle, Jake Wiley. Things are looking up with the offensive line deep. And what are you going to say? I want to highlight Tommy Brown. 
Transfer from Alabama. There's a few of those guys around the NFL. This is a guy that's a graduate transfer, was looking to go somewhere where he can get on the field, prove himself. I absolutely think you see big things. There was some talk about him playing tackle, but he's being listed as a guard, has played mostly at guard uh, for the Buffs. So I think going to be a big, big bump in the run game. And for he's the played Buffs a little bit. He got 29 games of action the last couple of years at Alabama. So. Yes. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. When, when you're getting on the field for Alabama, that that's a big bump. Noah Fenske's another guy that came from Iowa, a, a well-known school that produces right. offensive line talent. So I think you have guys with the background, with the experience, and I think they're bringing that in now. I look to see Noah Fenske kind of as that captain of this O-line, as, as you hope to see from your center. But, uh, you know, Frank Phillip, a guy that's mm. got a lot of experience there. So I, call, really I call him Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, yeah, man. Yeah. And I, I So you're bringing back a lot of experience well, okay, on this so O-line. They're bringing back three starters, to be exact. And they're bring, the experience of the depth is, is, is also what's important. But it's not just that. It, it is a transfer. So a couple things. They know each other. I do wonder how long it's going to take for them to gel because offensive line is a unit, right? So that is one thing you love. I would rather have personally an, an offensive line that's all been together for four years that is maybe rated like a, a, an A- minus overall than an A-plus offensive line that just got put together, right? So it does matter. But I think that what we've seen lately in spring practices, what's been coming out of uh, uh, of the camp and what we've been hearing is things are looking good in the running game and they are working well together. I wonder, can they protect JT? Can they protect Brennan enough? That's something to look for. But overall, I do think things are looking up for this offensive line. Now, they have to be looking up. Last year, things did not end well, okay? Uh, they rushed for, what, 222 against Oregon State. Good, good rush attack. But after that, they ended the season rushing for 190, 71, and then 64. So things were not very positive last year for this rushing game. And I think that they can only go up. And I think this offensive line will be a big part of that, okay? So overall, Jared, offensive line going to be better than last year. Tight end room should be better than last year. Wide receivers, question mark. But I if, think you hope to see you don't drop off right, last year, I right? think as good as last year. R- uh, same with the running backs. You yeah. don't want to drop off, but I think as long as you can get the, the production from some of those backups from, so from, it, from, from Deion Smith, from Jail Stacks, that's going to be it, as good as last year. And then JT. It really just comes down ju- to that to quarterback. quarterback. It's all about that. And if JT it? can play average, which I think is his floor, we're going to look at an offense in the Pac-12 that surprises some people. Uh, does it concern you at all moving in college football, moving towards a pro-style offense, moving towards a but less see, explosive see you or offense? Like in general, see, see you specifically because that does seem the direction they're going. You look at what Mike Sanford did the last couple of years at Minnesota, dude. I don't it wasn't care. great. It wasn't Jared, great. I don't care. Well, that's one thing, but I, I don't care as long as we're winning. <laughs> like that's. I, I will matter. say, I will express concern for myself. I never, let's let's be honest, Darren Cheverini never developed as the play caller and the offensive coordinator that we hoped he would be. Now, I agree with you. I think he was made a scapegoat last year. I don't think Darren Cheverini was the reasons for the lack of success. I have yet to see Carl Durrell as an offensive coach. He was a receiver coach. He played wide receiver as a player. He's an offensive-minded guy. I've yet to see his stamp on an offense, and right now the direction they're moving actually concerns me. I think we may be getting less explosive as an offense. I need them to prove me 
wrong. Look, That's where I'm at right now. I mean, Carl Durrell also has coached at UCLA before. His he this is his eighth year coaching. That was his first year missing a bowl last year. So that for that reason, we can talk about Durrell right now before we get to the defense. For that reason, I'm willing to totally go in open minded this year. And, uh, and and shed any of that negativity I had last season for Carl Durrell. Now, I hope that proves to you out there in the audience that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to turn the page back and say, I'm giving you another chance because I didn't do that really with Brendan Lewis. I've seen enough with Lewis. That's my final word there. But I'm willing to give Carl Durrell a whole other season, ease up, not go in negative, not go in skeptical. I think he can really... He, he may not have the personality that gets us all going. I would... Uh, it, it, it's all a personal preference. Some people loved. Remember Josh McDaniels after that first win oh with the Broncos, and he's running down on the end zone, bumping his fists. Some people love that. Some people hate it. Six years later, we realized it was not so good. <laughs> uh, Carl Durrell. You know, some people love it. Some people hate it. But I personally may. I like to see a little bit more emotion. But again, we weren't saying that when they went to the Alamo Bowl in twenty twenty. Was it the the shortened year where they got killed by Texas? Yeah, I think it was, or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. So if they're winning, that's okay. If this offense looks looks. Like they know what they're doing, which, by the way, a little note out there: first game of the season. You know, here's what here's what you should be looking for. Are there a lot of penalties? Are there a lot of you know false starts? Are, 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 do you have to call a timeout because yes. everyone's not the out play there? In, can't get people lined up because right. everyone's not out there for the punt team. You know, can you get the field goal team out there? If you have no timeouts left, can you get the field goal kick out there as time is running down the first half? Are you burning timeouts? That's what you want to look for in the first game of the season. Don't say, oh, come on, how can you not make that pass? Or how can you not make that block? Give a little bit of leeway where it's due, but there are certain things that should be buttoned up heading into the season. College football doesn't get the, the leeway that the NFL does with the preseason, right? So you, you got to be ready. A, you don't get a practice. So you day. have to be so ready. here's where I'll say with Carl Durrell. You, you're a little more forgiving than I am. I'm totally I, willing I to go not, in I have open-minded. not slammed the door shut. I stuck my foot in the door. It was trying to shut. I stuck my foot in. I'm going to leave my foot in there until he proves otherwise, but he's got so, he's so got you're a peeking sh- in. Yeah, you're, I'm you're, you peeking. got one just, eye peeking just in. Just barely, okay. I can hear what's going on in there. Can't maybe see what's going on. I, I, I might be ready to quickly pull that foot out if things don't go well, well through the first three or four games. I'm Tyler, not sure if things Tyler, are going to go well for the first know, three or four games. It's not. It doesn't. It does not set up well for the Buffs. They early open on. up. Let's talk schedule. Let's talk schedule. They open up with TCU at home. They're currently 10.5-point underdogs, but you know why that is? It's because the, the whole world in, in the sports betting market doesn't understand what we've been talking about, how good this offense is going to be under J.T. Shrout. That's a bit, I think that's going to be a, a good bet for that uh, first week. So TCU coming in here opening week, that's going to be a very close game. Hopefully we can escape with that one. But anyway, open up at home against TCU. Week 2 at Air Force. We know how that's gone in recent history. Not very well. Troy Calhoun knows how to stop CU, okay? So Colorado has to stay focused for that game. You cannot overlook Air Force week two. Right after that, back-to-back away games, week three at Minnesota, okay? So think about that. When you see some of these teams like Alabama scheduling peanut butter and jelly tech, it's like you got to... Uh, one you thing I, I saw, yeah. CU is one of, and I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but there's less than like... A dozen uh, Power Five programs that does not play an FCS school. No, it's great, and they're they which have is a, good. It means you're scheduling tough. But and according to a lot of people, they have a top ten strength of schedule. But you know what happened here? I, I can tell you exactly what happened. Because they scheduled these about 
five to eight years out, depending on the school, the situation, things like that. You can go see right now, five to year, five to eight years out for CU, who they're going to play. Uh, you know what happened? Mike McIntyre's here. 2015, it was okay. 2016, we lose like two games, compete for the Pac-12, or uh, yeah, compete for the Pac-12. Things are looking amazing in Boulder. And so what they're thinking is, we scheduled TCU. We can Who get that win. Who was a great team back in the, uh, the mid 2000s yeah. uh, Air Force. We can beat Air Force in the Minnesota. So we're going to start off three and or two and one going to Pac-12 play. We'll lose one game in Pac-12. The the things were look. The sky was looking blue in Boulder when these things were scheduled, and now it's like, oh, uh, now you got to reap the 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 decisions. Yes, that you've you you got it. What is it? So yeah, reap, reap what, what you sow. So, there you yeah, go. Reap, reap what, what you sow. sow. Which. Uh, Jared, your wife sews, doesn't she? Crochet? She sew? crochets, yeah. which she will tell you, don't ever say that she sews, Tyler. <laughs> There's a big okay. difference, okay? okay? Well, so we just got to so you reap what you crochet. We'll you just change what it you up. Crochet. Okay. I like that. So she could probably make you a very nice knitted. Oh, I'm not even saying that right either. Actually, crochet. Yeah. Crochet. <laughs> you know what? I failed. Tyler, nice I failed. Uh, I failed. Well, either way. Uh, there you go. Well, maybe... She can make you something that looks very nice in CU Buffs colors. The crochet. Okay, the crochet. All right, uh, so they open up with TCU, Air Force, This Min- is why we stick to football. Guys. Exactly. And then they got Air Force, Minnesota on the road. That's their non-conference. Their conference schedule, we'll go through it quickly. UCLA at Arizona by California at Oregon State. Arizona State, Oregon, at USC, at Washington, home against Utah. My God, that's a tough Honestly, last four games. You, you need to start strong in yeah, conference You play. end Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah. You have to think Woo! one and three is is good there, right? At the end? You, I mean, at this point in the season, with Oregon, how they're looking, with with, with Utah, Utah's in number eight in the nation, and Washington's going to be improved. USC, obviously, I mean... One win would be good out of that, right? So you want to go into that with five wins. You're right. You, you <laughs> with do. five wins. But I think as a team for CU uh, and where they are right now, and I, oh I hate to say this, boy. fans, I know everyone's listening out there. You want us to tell you this is a 10-win team. No, no, no. No, I, here's expectations, okay? Because this is what matters. And if you think about it in life, the expectations dictate reaction. If you have an A-plus student, they get a C, you freak out. If you have an F student, they get a C, you're happy, Okay. Expectations drive reaction overwhelmingly. So this was a D program last year. E- expectations should be, well, I mean, I think expectations should be high end to make a bowl game. Okay, so that should be like the goal this year, in my opinion, is can we get six wins? I would personally love to go road trip somewhere in December, go watch a bowl game somewhere, and go watch the Buffs. That's that's what I want to see happen this year. Get to six. Now, how do we get there? I mean, you've probably got to win two out of the first three, right? Uh, you have to. You have to come out of conference play with the winning record to to give yourself a little bit you of leeway. Play? Or, excuse me, of non-conference play. Because otherwise, you're setting yourself up in that situation where your first three conference games are, are basically must wins and you you don't I mean that's tough and I get the Pac-12 is a little bit down right now but to expect the buffs to come with you know you still at home at Arizona Cal or so, so, let's, just, all right, so let's mark up the five wins right now okay all right so I believe they upset TCU week one I think TCU new coach new offense they're gonna struggle altitude uh, night game. It starts at 8 o'clock. Okay, that's what? 9, 10 o'clock TCU time. I think CU upsets TCU week one. Uh, week two, that's going to be a close game at Air Force. That could go either way. I mean... I think that's when you have to win because th- if you lose that game, 
Mm, but okay, okay. So so for the sake of if they're going to get... We're, we're finding six here, right? So TCU Air Force, and then they go on the road, maybe tough against Minnesota, okay? Cause, especially because Minnesota... Personally, I would interchange. The, I, I think you're losing against TCU. I think you can beat at Minnesota. I think you can win he, that game. But here's the thing. Minnesota knows this offensive coordinator. Sure. That's going to be tougher. So... TCU is going to have to be the win there, Jared. But but dif- agree well, to regardless, disagree. Yeah, you got to come out two and one. one. One of those two. Uh, I think UCLA is going to have to be a win. I think it's a winnable game. You're at home. That's your first conference game. I get this is a program that what Chip Kelly's in his third or fourth year. He's had Dorian Thompson. But Robinson the fact that it's at home is huge, time. and we've done well against UCLA. At yes, home. they they play well against UCLA. They can win that game. They should win that game at right. Arizona. By, by, by the way, UCLA, we beat them last time they played. Uh, the last two times they played here, we beat them. The last three times we went there, we lost. Okay, so there you it, go. it's a big deal. Uh, at Arizona, possibly oh, the only team in the Pac-12 worse than CU. Yeah, right but it's now. at Arizona, but that's got to be yeah, a win too. You have to. You cannot. Oh my God. So <laughs> Arizona went like two or three know, years you know without many, a win. Do you know how many people listening right now are going, these guys are delusional. Colorado's not going to be four and one after Arizona. <laughs> they better be if they want to make a bowl game. I know, because then you've got Cal out. No, because here's the thing. Even if they're three and two coming out of that, I believe the next three are winnable. You've got Cal at home because uh, okay, so UCLA, like we said, at Arizona, like we said, then they have a bye. So so at Arizona. So let's say you go three and two into okay. your bye. Okay, three and two after the bye or into the bye. I think the next three games are winnable. California at home, Cal at home can totally win that. Uh, at Oregon State, which will be a tough game. Oregon State has been getting better. Okay, so that's going to be a tough one. And then uh, home against Arizona State, which is homecoming. And Arizona State, I mean, you talk about all the distractions right now. Yeah, I don't know how the they're going to be. Of the three games, though, of the three games, that that's probably the one you chalk up as a loss if you're just looking at it on the surface. You but, can go two and one in that stretch. But that's where you're going to have to have either your fifth or sixth win, right? That, that's you're at five right there. As we're oh, going God. through, you were three and two. You go two and one. Now you're sitting there at five and three. Now you go Oregon, USC at, at USC, USC at Washington, Utah. To me. At Oregon or at Washington? I think I think the two road games are your wins. There, no, 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 no. Wins. Dude, USC, wins. Jared. I totally USC is going to be a, a national championship contender this you year. You think Lincoln really Riley turns them around that quick, or at least a playoff contender? I think they may have a loss this year. CU uh, plays them good year in and year out. It doesn't out. matter. They're going to get. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think CU. Fares so Washington. Well we're we're saying Washington. We're hanging our hats on at Washington or Oregon at home. Because and, Oregon, Mario Cristobal is gone. Just everyone listening out there, I, I, I want you to hear us <laughs> struggling and trying so hard to I get know. the Buffs to six wins. And Tyler, to your point of what you just said earlier before we, we started this exercise here, that should be your high-end goal this year. I hate to say it. I would love to believe in my heart that this is a potential 10-win team. But I think yeah. being honest with yourself as a Buffs fan, you should be fighting for every win you can get and be very happy because not only because this program is not at the peak that it's been in the past, we believe that there is some talent on this roster and they can perform well, but this is a tough, tough schedule. To get yourself to six wins is going to be difficult. If you can get there, be happy as a Buffs fan that you're moving in the right direction and we can start to set our goals higher year after year to build back. In a nutshell, uh, uh, one of the toughest schedules in the entire country. Wow. Okay. Con- 
I came into this not feeling <laughs> it. You had me up there. We were high. We, we were all high going there, back the other and way. And had to bring yeah. you back down. So can we can we get back on the positive yes. spins? Yes, here? we can. Let's talk about this defensive line. This is going to be elite this, this year. Is Terrence Lang, Jalen Sammy, Naeem Rodman. You talk about experience. You talk about you talk okay. about depth. You talk about size. This D line is going to be elite. How long has Terrence Lang been there? We we talked earlier about Brady Russell, but I think Terrence Lang's been there just as long. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is Terrence Lang. Junior, maybe he's already right. had kids and they're back in college going to see you. <laughs> it's been that long, but every year you look at his height and weight, the guy is bulking up year after year after year. He started like two sixty five. He's up to two ninety now. He is a legitimate defensive end playing with the physicality that you look for from Terrence Lane. How big of a loss is Mustafa Johnson? You know, I was actually talking to my brother about this today, and that was the question he asked me when I, I was said, hey, let's help me refresh. Help me get, get a little, feeling good about going into this podcast. And he goes, man, that's really going to kill not having Mustafa. And I said, you know what? I feel like what we've learned over the last couple of years, Mustafa's a solid player. But when he didn't have all the talent around him that they had on this roster a few years ago, when he was the feature guy, he did not quite have the production the last couple of years. I don't think it's actually as a big of a loss as, as people may make it out to be. That's to take nothing away from Mustafa Johnson and what he did for the Buffs. Sure. He was a huge, huge impact player. But when teams started to put the focus on him the last couple of years, his production dropped. I think what you need to see is a more well-rounded defensive unit. And with the depth you just mentioned, a lot of guys that as young players got a lot of experience, a lot of big boys, Jalen Sammy, Naheem Rodman, those are big boys, I think, finally coming into their own I don't know what they're listed as, sophomores, juniors, whatever. Right. They have three or four years on a college football roster with the strength and conditioning. Look for those interior D linemen to really step up this year. Jalen Sammy, Naheem Rodman are the two I'm looking for well, this year to have big impact. Well, and, and Terrence Lang for sure. But Naeem Rodman, by the way, not technically a starter last year if you look at him on a couple different websites, but he started six games. I mean, he's got a lot of experience, so they're going to be very good. Uh, some backups here. Uh, Chance Main listed. He should get some time. Jamar Montgomery. Uh, let's see. Janaz Jordan. Tyus Martin. Tyus so Martin's the other one. That's yeah, yeah, I remember. He's listed yeah. at 6'4", 340. hey The Buffet Big Buster. boy. Yeah, so uh, some names you can hear this year on the defensive line, hopefully making an impact. All right. Let's get to some question marks because there haven't honestly, up to this point in the podcast, been that many question marks, right? Offense, quarterback, but who's going to start? If JT starts, not a question mark for me. Uh, linebacker. Okay, you miss maybe the biggest anchor this team has had since who? Fill in the blank. I mean, I mean, do you Jordan got- dies on? I mean, we're talking. That's we're way talking- back. That, that, that's that's a that's a. Old school but hit that's, right that's there. That's the first linebacker that really comes to mind for me for the Buffs is a guy that over the course of three or four years was a superstar from I mean, snap just, one to the final but snap. But just think about overall leader of the team. I mean, when's the last time? Because usually offense, defense, a little separated. You know, it's... A, S- yep. Cepho Lufau offensively a few years back yeah, was a big time Yeah, you can maybe say Cepho. Yeah. But it, it's, it's such a big loss. And that absence, not just on the field because he was hurt a little bit, but in the locker room is really what's going to hurt this linebacking core. So I need they you know, obviously they've got some experience coming back, um, but I think they're going to drop a little yeah. bit. Quinn Perry's the guy. To me, this comes down to can Quinn Perry. He will not fill Nate Landman's shoes. Let's be clear on that. 
He is not going to be Nate Lamb. He's a different type of player. He's a bigger, more physical guy. He actually shut it down a little bit in the offseason to try to be more athletic, try to be able to move a little bit better. But he is a thumper. He's a guy that has to have that impact in the running game that we saw from Nate Lamb in the last couple of years. Uh, what do you think of uh, uh, Quinn Perry? Love him. Okay. Or Quinn Perry. No, uh, that's who I was just talking about. Robert oh, oh, Barnes. I'm sorry. I'm going down the list here. Yeah, who uh, did Robert Barnes, yeah. I really, really like. He's a guy that transferred from Oklahoma, moved from safety to linebacker with the Buffs last year, sort of came into his own, had some big plays last year. Uh, I think he is sort of kind of stepping up as this vocal leader for this defense. You're hearing him talking a lot. He's a... I don't know. I, again, I, I struggle with these COVID years. He's like a fifth or sixth year senior, maybe seventh or eighth year. I, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. He's been a lot around the, the the college game for a long time. He's a guy that has the athleticism to cover. I think he's a guy to look for in that linebacker group. He's he's been listed as the will, the weak side linebacker. And then uh, Guy Thomas, obviously, you know, Guy, we, Guy Thomas had his moments. What do you what do you think about Guy Thomas? If you're if you're following, uh, you know, I know Brian Howell's a big uh, uh, guy for a uh, 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 zone yes. that covers the buffs. Uh, anyone else who writes on the buffs, Guy Thomas is is everyone's everyone's his guy this year, right? It's no, no, okay. no pun intended. Hey-o. That's what everyone's talking about, looking for a breakout year. Uh, I need to see it. I need to see it. I feel like last year we didn't exactly see his impact on this roster, but that's kind of the one everyone's pointing to for the breakout star for the buffs this year. I mean, it's it is a question mark. This entire linebacking core. You know, when you lose. Uh, Landman, when you lose Carson Wells, Carson Wells, guy. you lose. I mean, Jack Lamb had his, you know, his momentary impact. Th- those are three linebackers that that did a lot last year for a defense that wasn't great. And, and it's like, you know, you could say, well, Tyler, I mean, defense was great. Isn't it good to kind of turn the page? No, those were three standouts on the defense. Those are three players you'd love to have back. Especially, I mean, Carson Wells. L- look how he showed up the last couple of seasons. He may have been the most impactful. Defender last couple of years in terms of turnovers, game-changing plays. So he did a lot. So a ton to replace in the linebacking core. You know, we think we've got the guys to do it. Barnes, Perry, Guy Thomas. But that's you know, that's going to be a big part of this defense. You know? I, and then, I think that Guy Thomas is the biggest question mark in my mind because to me, this team has lacked a true pass rushing threat over the last few years. I think Carson Wells is kind of a versatile guy, whereas Guy Thomas is looked at as more of a pass rushing guy. You really need to see that between him and Terrence Lang, they need to prove they can get to the quarterback more right. over the next uh, this this season. A couple other names are here at the linebacker position: Devin Grant at the outside linebacker, uh, Isaac Hurtado at middle. Uh, let's see here: we got uh, Josh Chandler, uh, Serenado. I wonder if he can Serenado you a little bit. There's there. a few good Maybe names good there: at, Jessica Gustav. I wonder if Serenado is good at uh, karaoke. That's what I wonder. Oh, time yeah. to he's got to be. He's gotta be. But, uh, I mean, what about look, Marvin Ham? That's a name for you right there. Low Rum Ham. But look, this is going to be important. If if these back, look, we, I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of these names. Jared's not. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there aren't. But, uh, well, a lot of you guys, gals, listeners, whoever is listening right now, are you not familiar with these names? But that's what this is about. Every year, and that's why I love college football, right? You turn the page. It's so many new chapters, so many new beginnings, and this is just part of it. You know, you're going to hear a lot of those names on game day. You know what I love from any national take? They always get like, oh, oh, only returning five starters on I know, defense. I know. Kind of like, yeah, they all graduate after four years and move <laughs> on. So you tend to lose a good chunk of your starters every yeah, year. It's going to happen every season. <laughs> Um, 
Well, should we get to the safeties here? A lot, a lot of. Uh, and well, just just to quickly touch on the DBs as a whole. Yeah, let's do DBs as a whole. Because to me, you go D line. This is this is the bread and butter of the Buffs right now on defense. I think that's where their strength is. Linebackers, okay, we have some guys with some experience, some guys that we believe in. Mm-hmm. DBs, guys, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, there's some question marks. They lost a lot of talent to the transfer portal this year. Your top two cornerbacks in Makai Blackman and uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez yep. gone to the transfer portal. And well, by the way, they were late. Yes. Late Mark transfers. Perry, starting free safety. And the gone. reason why it matters they're late is CU didn't have an opportunity to replace them in the transfer portal. So Colorado kind of got screwed with that one. So now you got a bunch of guys that we've pretty much never heard of. Isaiah Lewis is going to have to have a breakout And year. he really has. He's a guy guy that showed up a couple years ago that nobody well, hey, expected he to be a guy. He was the number one tackler last year, I'm pretty yes. sure. He, he was a big-time player for this defense. He was all over the field. He's versatile. They can line him up over a wide receiver in press coverage. He can be in the box in a linebacker role. That's what you need to be your anchor of that back end of the defense and look for Isaiah Lewis to be that guy for the bus because he's going to have to coach up some of these guys around him and make sure that everyone is playing in their role because it is a lot of guys that don't have a lot of college experience. Sophomores and freshmen completely around him right now. The His counterpart at safety, free safety, Trevor Woods, who's a sophomore. Got a little bit of experience last year. Little I remember seeing bit. him being on the field, but minimal. He got one start, I think. He did have 23 tackles. Uh, what do you think of the cornerbacks, Nico Reed and uh, Kalen Moore? Nico Reed is a guy that's been around for a couple of years. He's kind of been used as that nickel mm-hmm. cornerback, so it'll be interesting to see him on the outside and more of the, the feature guys. Uh, who was the other name? Kalen Moore. Said? Well, Kalen Moore got two starts last year. So, okay. So, so two that starts. That name last... doesn't even ring a bell for well, me. No, Tyler. he that yeah, tells you he got a little bit of time. He, I think he had what, you know a couple seven tackles. I think I see here. But that's the part of what we talked about the linebackers, right? These are the guys we're gonna have to step up. We are gonna get to know them very well, very quickly, and there's gonna be some big. How often do we see the offensive coordinator of the other team come in and pick on a quarterback? I forget who it was last year, but remember when it, it was, was Christian uh, Gonzalez against USC? Mistaken. Yeah, and it was that one. Uh, do you remember that his name? Oh, uh, uh, London. Uh, yeah, Drake, Drake London. London, yeah. Who, and, yeah. And they targeted him about 35 times in the game yeah. and just kept pit. Was it Gonzalez? I, and I may be wrong on that. I may be misremembering that, but I think it was Gonzalez. They Sometimes yeah. they find a weak spot and they will attack. So that's why it's a big deal. Kalen Moore, Nico Reed get to know these names. They're going to be asked a lot on the outside. So that does it for our well, safeties. And, and just real quickly, touching on the DBs, going back to what we were just talking about with the schedule. Does that give you a little optimism? I know TCU is is more of a you know run first team. Well, we don't know what they're going to be sure, with this new coach. Sure, this is true. They are they are turning over coach staff, but then you get Air Force, a team you know is not going to throw. Does that give you maybe a little bit more confidence in those DBs? Get a little experience in before you have anyone truly attacking you vertically. <laughs> I don't know because sometimes just getting on the field, getting those. First game jitters out of the way, where by the time you're into week three, you've got a little bit of your feet underneath you. I think, for me, that does make me feel a little bit better that you're not going up against a prolific passing offense that's just going to shred you up those first couple of weeks. I mean, we don't know what TCU is going to look like. I agree. It may be good for confidence, but... Yeah. I hope. Let's hope yeah, that let's that, hope. that you get a few weeks before you go to a UCLA that is going to probably pick you apart. That I way. may not be right there with you, but we'll see. So that does for the uh, the the safeties: uh, Isaiah Lewis and Trevor Woods. The cornerbacks: Kalen Moore and Nico Reed. The nickel currently uh, listed as the starting nickel cornerback: uh, Tyron Taylor, 
who did start a game last year, uh, 10 tackles. And he was playing mostly safety prior to this year for the Buffs, so a little okay. bit of a transition and move. A guy that's listed at 6'2", 175. Not your prototypical nickel cornerback. Usually you got the smaller, shiftier guys. It makes me wonder if you're going to see more of that physicality. You want a guy that can get in the mix in the running game in that nickel spot. Right. Kind of in that sort of buff back role we've seen in years past that they don't have anymore. And again, we're, we're using Phil Steele's depth chart. These guys could move around. This could be a little different. This and is defense, just a, defense even more so than yeah, offense. For sure. The, no the starting lineup means nothing. Look at how many of these guys even got positions may not mean a whole yeah. lot. You know, outside line, they, they, they could be a different play. I remember one year, it's like, oh, I'll see you. They're going to run a 4-3, going to run a 4-3, and they came out in like a 2-5. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, okay. If you're not putting five DBs on the field in college football anymore, you're making a mistake, probably, <laughs> right? right? So, uh, all right. Anything to add for the secondary defense in general? Uh, where do you think? Out? Just a question for you, Tyler. Looking at this roster, who do you? Where do you think you need to be able to hang your hat on, or where do you think they well, will hang their hat on? Is it the di- defense or is no, it the offense? No. If CU is going to win six games this year, it's going to be in, in rather high scoring games. I think you know, uh, Colorado's probably going to give up some yards on the ground. Uh, well, actually, probably going to give up some yards in the air. I meant to say uh, they're going to be pretty. I think solid in the middle. I really trust Sammy Lang in the middle of the field to clog things up. I think that Naeem Rodman's actually going to be pretty good in the run game too. So I think that as long as CU can score, it's going to have to be high-scoring games. But I just think teams may be able to pass a little bit on the buffs, move the football, and that's a recipe for points. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that if if you're going to be successful as the Buffs, this needs to be a more prolific offense. If, but, if you're but, if you're trying to bank on winning ten to seven games, it's tough. It's tough in the Pac-12 because of how much teams open it up, anyways. But I, I just think you have to be able to keep up with that because it's going to take some games for this back end of this defense to really come but together. But that could also mean a different approach offensively. Milking the clock more, more running plays. Wait, you know, we've seen Strategic, a lot right? Keep your defense of off tempo. the field. Exactly. We've seen tons of tempo recently with the buffs. And I kind of feel two ways about that. I do believe that if you're playing in altitude, you should use that altitude. So there's always an argument for up tempo, whether it's the Nuggets, the Avs, or, or or the Buffs. I think everyone playing in up playing in altitude should do that and utilize that and exploit that. But on the other hand, if you if you have a team that's built to where your offense is going to have to win, and you don't want to have your defense out there for a long time, maybe that's the inevitable part of that team the way it's built. We don't know yet what we're going to get. That's part of the exciting part of all this. But uh, before we go, Jared, before we leave, I want to get, uh, well, kicker punter real quick, I guess. Cole Becker. What do we think about Cole, the leg? Uh, you know, I'm just a little disappointed that we don't have our boy, and I'm just slipping on his name right now, our Aussie uh, from, oh, from yeah. last few years, hey, you know. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's okay. It's, yeah, apparently, he wasn't he wasn't <laughs> as good as I remember him because neither of us can remember his I name. I will but, never forget no. Mason Crosby, and that's yeah, what uh, Cole, yeah. Hey, look. Look, Cole Becker, his, his, uh, his, looks like he started 12 games last year, played quite a bit for the Buffs. I, I'm, I'm confident enough in him. If you're banking on your kicker he being the difference. Games. Yeah, he's, he's fine. If, if, you're, if you're banking on your kicker being the difference in, in your team's success. Hey, not the difference, but what do you think? Are you excited or no? I believe that he can be a reliable kicker, and he has the distance. This is what you need in altitude. You yeah, gotta I think be he's going to be solid. Distance. He was 14, solid 14 to 20 last year. Didn't miss an extra point. I'm all about Cole Becker. Don't miss extra points. If you make extra points, get out of here. Uh, Ashton Logan. Freshman, freshman coming into punt, so let's hope Freshy can take care of business. All right, you want to get a prediction out there? An actual prediction for win totals 
and let's uh, give a team MVP. I'll go with the MVP. I'm going my boy JT. I think he has a great year. I think he steps up, leads this offense, and this offense is, I think, what's going to be the guiding factor in this team. So I'm going JT Shroud to win that position as he should, have a very good year, and hopefully lead CU to a bowl game. I'm going to go six wins. We're going six and six. They great start to the season. And then, hey, this is college football. This is co- There's upsets every week. So you're telling me we can't go to Washington, can't beat Oregon at home, Utah coming here, okay? That's always going to be close. I don't care how good they are. That's always going to be a good game. So I'm going six and six, and I think JT steps up this year. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick as the most letters I can think of of any name because mm. the best name on the roster is gonna be the best player on this <laughs> roster. Montana, Lamonius, Craig, go, right. my man looks prime to have a big season here for the Buffs. I think he surprises a lot of people. I think he gets on a national recognition by the end of this season because he is going to put up some big numbers. He's a big target. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns for the Buffs this year. So Montana Lamonius Craig is my MVP for the year. And I'm going to go with a little strategy here, okay? Uh Uh-oh. I told you, I came into this, my optimism was lacking. So I'm going to go a little reverse psychology. I'm going four and eight for the Buffs. Okay, uh-huh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy low here in the hopes that they surprise me. Okay, I want these Buffs to surprise me. I just look up and down the schedule. It's tough, man. That's a tough start to the schedule. Getting TCU, you got to go on the road. You're playing at Air Force, which I get that's still in Colorado. But if anyone who's been to Air Force Academy, are you gonna go to that tough- game? I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. I got I, I got some go. things to work out with the wife here to, <laughs> to make sure that that happens. But I'm working on that one. You have to go. Fans out there, if you've never go, been to yeah, Air Force Academy, go to that game. It's a cool atmosphere, but it's a tough atmosphere to play in for the Buffs. At Minnesota, we saw last year the struggles they had there. I just I just see it's going to be hard to come out of that 2-1. and one. This Pac-12 Boo. schedule is brutal. You so suck, Jerry. I'm sorry. I have Boo. to be honest with the fans here. I'm saying four and eight with the hopes they pleasantly surprise me. Okay. Mm. Should we end with a more fight song? Should we yeah, just do we it? We're not going to get to play it much. Well, hey, we'll play. <laughs> six and six, you will. Okay. Uh, you know what? We'll get to play it plenty this year. Let's hear it one more time, though. Let's go, Buffs. So uh, remember, the first game is going to be next uh, Friday. So we'll have one more show before that. We'll preview the TCU game, get any thoughts we didn't hit on today. So uh, let's just go. It's time to get excited about Buffs football. But yeah, stay tuned for that because there's a lot to preview. We're probably going to hear a few more things about the offense, the team in general, and then we will break down TCU, what to expect game one in Boulder. Until then, this has been the Buffs Nation podcast.